I wanted, to, uh, I wanted to start a new sermon series this morning, and it's a sermon series on prayer. Now, here's what's funny about prayer. It is critical to our Christian walk. It's critical to our life as a Christian. And yet, if I were to ask you, how's your prayer life? I bet every single one of you would say, well, it's, you know, it's, uh, it's, kind of, it, it, it's probably could be, it's not good enough, it's not... What does good enough look like? What does good enough look like when it comes to the prayer life? See, this seems to be an area of guilt for most Christians. Nobody feels like their prayer life is good enough. So, so we have guilt about our prayer life. Well, I'm going to teach you to pray guilt-free. Okay? I'm going to teach you to pray guilt-free. We are going to look at what Jesus had to say about prayer. He tells some parables about prayer. He literally teaches, pray then like this, which is what we're going to look at today in Matthew 6, if you want to turn there. So we're going to talk about prayer, and we're going to do it over the course of the next few weeks, probably eight weeks or so, because there's a lot that we can learn about prayer, and it's all guilt-free. Prayer should not be an area of guilt for you. Prayer should be a joy for you. Prayer should be a, a time where you're talking to your dad. Now, I will tell you, there's a lot of acronyms out there, mnemonic devices to, to remember prayer. There's ACTS, which is acclamation, uh, confession, what, what is it, ACTS? Thanksgiving, supplication, yes. A acclamation, confession, thanksgiving, supplication. There's also CHAT, which is confession. Confess, honor, ask, thank. There, there's lots of those out there. I'm not going to teach you any of those. Because I don't want you to have a mnemonic device to talk to your dad. If you were to have a conversation with your loving father today, would you need a script? <laughs> would you need a, a, a way to stay on track? I think, I think we, we just expect different things from prayer than what it's meant for. Prayer is meant to be a conversation between you and a loving father. And so we're going to look at, at, through these next few weeks, we're going to look at, at different parts, different aspects of prayer. This morning we're going to be in Matthew chapter 6, when Jesus says, pray like this. I think we should take notice in that. So we're going to work our way through Matthew 6, verses 9 through 15. It is up here behind me, but if you want to turn in your Bibles, starting in verse 9, therefore you should pray like this. Again, that should catch our attention, right? When Jesus says, do this, that should be, oh, I, I need to pay attention to this. And he says, our Father in heaven, your name be honored as holy. Your kingdom come, your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Give us today our daily bread, and forgive us our debts as we also for have forgiven our debtors. And do not bring us into temptation, but deliver us from the evil one. For if you forgive others their offenses, your heavenly Father will forgive you as well. But if you do, don't forgive others, your Father will not forgive your offenses. So let's talk our way through what Jesus says here about pray like this. First of all, I will tell you, I will note that uh, for you that it says pray like this. It doesn't say pray this. 
Now, there's nothing wrong with repeating that what, what's often called the Lord's Prayer, the Disciples' Prayer. There's nothing wrong with, with repeating that. But this can't be the, the total of your prayer life, is repeat this once a week on Sunday, and you're good to go. That cannot be your prayer life. Jesus says pray like this. And so we're going to look at how, what he teaches us. Now, larger context here is the Sermon on the Mount. It starts in Matthew 5. And, and the Sermon on the Mount, Jesus works his way through teaching his disciples. He, he teaches them what we call the Beatitudes. And then he, he talks about how he came to fulfill the law. Then he talks about, he, he teaches on divorce. He teaches on, on how to treat your enemies, how to treat the poor. He teaches all of this, and then in, in the immediate context, he talks about prayer. And what we're going we're gonna to look back, actually, in the next couple of weeks, we're going to look back at what he says about prayer before he says this. But I thought we'd start with what Jesus says about prayer. What Jesus, when Jesus says, pray like this, I think we should pay attention to that. And so that's where we're going to start today. And so he starts with our Father in heaven. Now this is actually an amazing statement, because I want you to consider all of this. Our Father in heaven, your name be honored as holy. This is the God who is the creator and sustainer of everything. This is the God who is in heaven. He is high. He is lofty. He is lifted up. He is holy. He is righteous. He's the judge of all things, living and dead. This is the God that is our Father. Now, let that sink in. You know, nobody in Scripture until Jesus calls God my Father. Nobody. Then Jesus comes and he calls him my Father. But here he says, our Father. In fact, all of this prayer is kind of community-oriented. You notice there aren't any eyes or mys or minds in this. It's all us and we. And so this is kind of a community aspect prayer. But what does it mean when, when Jesus gives us permission to call his Father our Father? It means we are brothers and sisters in Christ. So this expresses, just the first line of this, expresses not only who God is in heaven, honored as holy, but who we are, his children, brothers and sisters of Christ. So it expresses a, a, a deep personal family relationship with the God who is creator and sustainer and righteous and holy and lifted up and the judge of all things living and dead. That's, that's an amazing statement to start this out. It, he starts out with who God is and who we are. So the first element of Jesus' prayer is expressing who God is and expressing our relationship with God. It's expressing that God is holy and honored and righteous. He is high and lifted up. He is in heaven. He's the king on the throne, and that's my dad. That's what, God, what Jesus says. He expresses our relationship not only with God, but with him when he expresses our Father in heaven. And then he says, your kingdom come. Uh-oh, this is where we have a problem. <laughs> We run into a roadblock here, because while you may not say it out loud, you, you want your kingdom and your will to be done, not God's kingdom and God's will to be done. 
We don't say that out loud, but it's true, isn't it? How much of our prayer life is telling God what we need and when we need it? Why? We want our kingdom. We want our will. And so this is the, 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 we run into a roadblock here because Jesus says we need to pray God's will and God's kingdom. God's will and God's kingdom. And there's another element to this that we really hate, and that's obedience. See, I, a lot of you shut me off as soon as I said that word. Done listening now, going to nap for a minute. Obedience, we hate obedience. We hate being told to be obedient. We hate it from the first time that we're told it as children. But there's an element of obedience to this, isn't there? Because he says, your, your kingdom come, your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Do you suppose that there's even an inkling of disobedience in heaven? Do you suppose that there's even a little hesitancy to do the will of God in heaven? No, there isn't. And so what we're praying for here is that, that God's will and God's kingdom be here like it is there. So that calls us to obedience to his will. We cannot expect the blessings of God when we are in disobedience to his will. We can't. This calls for, for, for his kingdom, his will, and our obedience to his kingdom and his will. So that the second element that Jesus teaches is that we pray God's will, God's kingdom, in obedience to his will. When you know the will of God, what do you do? Do you follow it? Or do you tell God, well, not right now, but you know, in a couple of weeks I'll have more time for that. Or I'll do that, but, but you know, it, it's just, today's busy, so I'll do that tomorrow. No, immediate obedience to the will of God, like it is in heaven. I'll ask you again, do you think there's any hesitancy or any disobedience in heaven? There is not. And so, we pray God's will, God's kingdom, in obedience to his will and kingdom. And he says, give us our daily bread. Now, there have been those that have tried to spiritualize this. Uh, they, they make it allegorical. They make it, well, this is the bread of life, Jesus. No, it's bread. It's like what you make a, a PBJ out of. It's bread. God cares for your everyday needs. Everyday needs. He, he is not, he's not, so high in heaven, so lofty, so lifted up, that he doesn't care that you eat today. He, doesn't, he, he cares that you eat. He cares that you drink. He cares about what you need today. Now, think about this in, in the cultural terms. Think about this in, in the time frame. The disciples that Jesus is teaching, they didn't have pantries full of food. They literally were dependent upon God for their everyday needs. Jesus tells us to pray this way. He tells us pray like this. We need to pray in daily dependence upon God for our needs. What do you need today? Do you need comfort? Pray for comfort. Do you need strength? Pray for strength. Do you need peace? Pray for peace. Pray for your daily needs because what this does is line us up for daily dependence 
upon God. That's what the disciples had. That's what he, re- he asks of us. Daily dependence for our daily needs. He cares for your daily needs. So the next element uh, that Jesus teaches is daily dependence on God for what you need that day. Get up in the morning and pray that God give you what you need for that day. Don't, I'll say again, you, you can't say, hey, well, we prayed for about 45 seconds in, on church, in church on Sunday, so I'm good for the week. That is not daily dependence on prayer. That is not daily dependence on, on God giving you what you need. Pray for what you need today. Give us today our daily bread. And then he says, forgive us our debts. Now, there's two parts of this, and he makes it very clear. Forgive us as we forgive others. If, what if that standard was actually held? What, what if this is true, which it is, <laughs> and what if you were only forgiven as you forgive others? How would that work for you? Because that's what Jesus says. Jesus says we are forgiven as we forgive others. He makes the point not only in this verse, but then again in verses 14 and 15. We, to know forgiveness, we have to extend it. Forgiveness is not the kind of thing that you just receive and you're good to go. You need to extend it. I have said many times from this platform, you are forgiven in order to be forgiving. We need to extend forgiveness to actually experience it and know what it's like. See, there's an entire parable about this in Matthew 18. And the the crux of it is God has forgiven you so much more than, than anyone has ever done to you, and so should you not forgive. In fact, verse 33 of Matthew 18 says, Shouldn't you also have had mercy on your fellow servant as I had mercy on you? God says we must forgive. Now, he, it, he, he, he puts it here as debt. And that's interesting because we don't think about sin as a debt, but, but it actually is. What happens when somebody does something against us, something, somebody, that, somebody does something that harms us or, or makes us feel bad? We hold it against them. They now owe us because they did this to us. See, we hold sin as a debt. God holds sin as a debt. Why why else would we say that Jesus paid the price for our sin on the cross if God didn't hold our sin as a debt? God doesn't hold our sin sin against us anymore because Jesus paid full price for our debt. We do the same. We hold sin, those sins against us from somebody else, we hold it as a debt. We must forgive. We must forgive. Because if you don't, if, if you're hanging on to unforgiveness, then you don't understand the price Jesus paid. Jesus paid a very high price for your forgiveness. A very high price. Far higher price than you will ever have to pay to forgive somebody else. And, it, and if you can't forgive somebody else, then you do not understand 
the price that's been paid for you. So to, so to know forgiveness, you have to accept it and you have to extend it. So the, the, the next element in prayer here is, is asking for forgiveness and extending forgiveness. You may need to ask God for the strength to forgive. I have suggested to many people that there's kind of a mid-step. If you can't get all the way to forgiving somebody for something they've done to you, sell the debt to God. Say, God, they don't owe me for what they did to me anymore. They owe you. Sell the debt to God. But you must forgive. That, that half step of selling the debt to God works you towards forgiveness if you're having a hard time forgiving something or someone. So the next element of prayer is asking for forgiveness, accepting forgiveness, and extending forgiveness. And then he talks about temptation. No temptation. Bring us not, uh, do not bring us into temptation, but deliver us from the evil one. <clears throat> First of all, let's, let's correct something. Temptation, this temptation is not a solicitation for sin. That's how we think about temptation, right? Temptation is all about sin. God does not tempt anyone to do evil. James 1.13 says that clearly. God does not tempt you to do evil. So this word actually has a broader meaning. It means a test. It means, it means to put an effort towards something or a test of some kind. So what this is asking is, God, do not lead me to a time of testing. Do not, do not lead me to a time of testing. That's, that's what this is asking. And then the second half of this is asking for res rescue when we happen to trip our way into testing or, or temptation. So you've got here a, a, an ask. We're asking God for his leadership, for his guidance, so that we don't get ourselves into situations that test us. And we're asking that God rescue us when we do trip our way into times of testing or temptation. So the next element is asking uh, of prayer is asking for God's guidance, his leadership to keep us from situations that will test our faith and asking for God to rescue us when we trip our way into a situation that the evil one has set up for us to make us tempted, to make us tested. So these are the elements of prayer that Jesus teaches. He, pre he, he teaches that prayer recognizes God for who he is and recognizes our relationship with him and with Christ. We have a personal, intimate, family relationship with God and with Christ. But, but don't, make, don't let that lead you to think God isn't able or God isn't holy, or God isn't righteous. We have that, that relationship with God, our Father, only because of Jesus. Jesus paid the price for our sin and gave us the, the authority to call God our Father. So prayer recognizes who God is, and it recognizes our relationship with that God. Prayer asks for God's will to be done and his kingdom to go forward, not 
our will be to be done and our kingdom to go forward. And it asks in obedience to his will. You cannot ask God for what his will is today and then not do it. Do you think God will continue to tell you his will <coughs> if you continue to disobey it? He is, we must ask his will, his kingdom, in obedience to his will and his kingdom. Prayer asks for our daily needs in daily dependence on God. Daily dependence. Now, I will also make a point here. Jesus tells us to pray for our needs, not our greeds. Okay? Do you understand the difference? If you're praying today for a new truck, maybe not. Maybe you don't get it yet. Prayer asks God in daily dependence for our daily needs. Prayer asks for forgiveness and extends forgiveness. And I'll say again, if you're having trouble forgiving, take a half step towards it. Sell the debt to God. Tell, tell God, they, this person no longer owes me for what he did to me. He owes you, God. Sell the debt to God until you can forgive. And prayer asks for God's guidance, God's leadership to keep us from, from uh, situations that test us or tempt us, and asks for his rescue when we find our way there anyway. See, prayer is not that hard. And, and I want you to notice, this prayer is really all about your spiritual life. There's no intercessory prayer here. There's no praying for somebody else. So clearly, there's, there's different ways to pray, different times to pray, different things we need to pray for. This is for your spiritual life. So pray, pray then like this. Pray who God is and your relationship with him. Pray for his will in your life and his kingdom to flow through you. Pray for, for forgiveness for your sin and, and the, the power, the strength to forgive others. Pray for his guidance, his leadership. Pray for his rescue. Pray for your daily needs and daily dependence on him. That's all prayer is. Guilt-free prayer is as simple as this. Pray then like this. I'm going to ask that you bow your heads for a moment.